straight people really enjoy giving head. And I was like, what? <laughs> I I thought it was like a known, like a secret on the download. Yeah, like we do it, but we don't really enjoy it. Am I right? But no, <laughs> yeah, people right. just really enjoy doing it. I thought- So you're giving, you're like, giving someone a blowjob and you're like, this is fucking terrible, but I guess I'll do it anyway. That's the worst. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I know for a fact that one of my friends is gonna listen to this. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, Anyway, whatever. <laughs> Fuck it. Like, this is this is you. This is real talk, man. Like, imagine if everyone mm-hmm. had these conversations and then they just suddenly went, holy shit, yeah, I hate giving dudes head. And I do yeah. fantasize about women. Fuck, I'm gay. Yes. <laughs> yes. And see, that's the thing. That's why I think it's so important to have these conversations and why I put myself out there because these are the sort of conversations that have helped me so much. Is like when people get real vulnerable and they're like, you know what? <laughs> this mm. is what happened. Welcome to yet another episode of Couple of Lattes. I'm your host, Jacques Massey, and I've got a massive favor to ask you guys before we dive into this podcast with Steph. Uh, If you can even spare one minute to go onto the podcast app, find the Couple of Lattes podcast, leave a five-star rating and a review, that would be so, so helpful for us. Basically, every review, every five-star rating we get promotes the podcast to more potential listeners. And I personally believe that the topics we talk about in this podcast are worth sharing. Uh, They empower people. And if you believe the same, and if you enjoy this podcast, it's something you listen to regularly, please, it would be of so much help to me, so much help to the podcast, and hopefully a lot of help to any new listeners out there. Anyway, let's dive into today's podcast. And today, Steph and I will be discussing coming out in lockdown. So Steph recently uh, decided to embrace who she is as a person, uh, specifically who she is from a sexual point of view and who she is from an emotional and spiritual point of view, really. Uh, And coming out for Steph has opened up so many more doorways for her. She feels more empowered. I can sense her level of vibrations. I even remember saying to her uh, a few weeks back before we were back in lockdown that I could feel that she was vibrating on a higher level. And so I'm so pumped to do, uh, to have this discussion today. And I hope that anyone out there who is struggling to identify who they are, especially struggling to identify who they are sexually, um, that this podcast will give you the strength and give you the courage and confidence to be vulnerable and to be exactly who you are. unbelievable there's some funny some funny things going around that have happened on zoom i think that's like that's the comedy of it isn't it it's like everyone's like well we're all in the same position and we're all doing really awkward things like the lady that had her husband walk behind her naked (laughs) no what yeah she was on a zoom and her husband walks behind her naked and she was like oh god (laughs) it's amazing i want to see that I want to see it, but then I also don't want to see it at the same time. My internet connection is unstable. <laughs> this one of course it is. Like me. <laughs> well, I mean, you're kind of getting more stable. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. 
<laughs> You'd be a canny man. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the definition of life, kind of getting more stable, and then you yeah. die. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I mean, death is pretty 100%. stable, really. Like, I guess you made it. Is that your mask cool. hanging on a hook behind you? Yeah. <laughs> that's so organised. I did it last night. You know, I was like, I need to tidy up. And I was like, fuck, I'm going to put all these masks. And I was like, oh, there's a hook on my wall. <laughs> That's just 2020. Yeah. Take a photo of that and just put, put it on Instagram, just 2020 in one picture. Yes. Just a mask. Oh, my God, yes. Hanging on a hook. Become yeah. the new norm. Summed up. Hey, I haven't, even, I haven't even welcomed you to my office yet. Welcome, oh. to, my, welcome to my Zoom office. Um, oh, it's beautiful, welcome, love it. Yeah, so welcome to the podcast. Uh, I hope you enjoy the office. Um, the is the ambiance right? Yes, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> the the whiteboard makes it. <laughs> oh yeah, forget that's up there. It's got stuff on there that's not even relevant. Actually, it looks cool though. It looks like I'm professional. It does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> can you see the microphone as well? Just here. Oh yeah, I can. Cool. I was wondering what that was. I thought it was like a symbol from drums, but black? No, no, no. <laughs> hey, uh, how do you feel about diving into some deep as fuck topic? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. We love the deep topics. Our last chat was freaking awesome, mm-hmm. actually. I was thinking about it this yeah. morning when I was going for my run. I was like, well, I've never really actually had a proper deep chat with Steph before, and that just felt so good. Yeah. It did. Yeah, awesome. That's so good. Well, let's dive into it. I'm going to ask you a freaking zinger straight off the bat. All right. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. Get ready. Hand on the buzzer. It's like one of those game shows. Um, <laughs> yeah, so pretty much, obviously, the world is in a weird, funky little place. A lot of us are in lockdown. But I think the really cool thing is a lot of people are coming to some pretty fantastic realizations about themselves, most importantly, about other things. But mainly, I think the one that's most important is about themselves. So, what was your deep realization in lockdown, Steph, at 28 years of age? Is it 28? It's 28, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was just before my birthday, actually. Oh, okay, 27. Oh. Yeah, so I went into my 28th year. Uh, my deep, deep realization was that I am gay. <laughs> I feel like that's a cheering moment. <laughs> Yeah, it is. <laughs> and yeah. how did that feel? Oh, my goodness. As cliche as it sounds, it felt like a massive weight being lifted off my shoulders. I bet. Just 100%. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it was like this this moment, and I can picture it. I was sitting on the couch, this moment where I just admitted it to myself. Mm. Um, something that I'd been avoiding for that many years. Mm. And I just sat there and went, oh, wow. Yeah, okay, I'm gay. And it was like a release and Mm. just all of the tears, all of the emotion, Mm. all of the feels. And then I think I spent the next week crying. (laughs) Was Was it like crying and then laughing and then like really sad, but then really happy, like just all of this flood of emotions? None of it was sad. Mm. At no point did I feel sad. Mm. Mm. Like every single moment of it just felt joyous. Um, yeah, just within me and 
yeah, it just all felt happy. Like I couldn't stop smiling. Um, yeah, I I want to compare it to something. Is there anything inappropriate? No, I dude, say? go for it. I, I say fucking shit all the before. time on this. Okay, I mean, like, topic-wise? No, go for it. Super open. Okay, cool. So I sort of compare it to this time that I did acid. Yes! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's the only time that I've ever, ever done acid. <laughs> and... My entire experience was rainbows. It was just, that's all I saw the entire night was just rainbows everywhere. And do you know what? That probably, like, could have been even a hint. Yeah, I mean, massively. Um, <laughs> rainbows is like the colour yeah. of, of, of gay, really, of LGBTQ+. Yeah, yeah. it's the flag, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, this entire night I just saw rainbows the entire time and I couldn't stop smiling like legitimately couldn't stop smiling and crying. Mm. And we were at this club and I remember walking up to my friend and I was like, I'm just so happy. And she was like, okay. And I was like, I've been crying for hours. Like obviously no concept of time. I have no idea how long it's been. Um, And she was like, okay. And I was like, no, really touch my face. And my face, I'd been crying for that long, that my face, it was like my skin was wet. (laughs) My skin was like saturated. And she touched my face and she was like, Oh my God. So it's sort of like, for me, I sort of compare it to that, that it just felt like this, like rainbows. I was so happy. I couldn't stop smiling, um, that I was just crying. It was like, this, just this massive, like, yeah, mm. the release. That is yeah. so beautiful. I'm, I'm yeah. so happy for you. Legit. I remember, yeah. I remember, obviously I've heard this before. We talked about it last, was it last week? No, the week before. But, like, yeah, yeah. just hearing it again and the way you just described it was amazing. And I can relate because um, I just did, like, a silent week of meditation. And halfway through, I had a moment where I was like, holy shit. I f-, like, I literally wrote my diary. I was like, I feel like I'm on uh, on a mushroom trip without the dancing colors. Because I was just like, I came to this realization because I hated, I found out how much I hated myself. And then I found out how much I loved myself. And then it was this realization mm-hmm. moment where I was like, you know what? none of it actually matters. Hating or loving myself, I'm just so pumped to get to feel. And I was just, like, crying, and I was, like, dancing in the lounge, like, took my shirt off. <laughs> yes, I couldn't, love that. Couldn't talk or yell, though, so I was like... <laughs> <laughs> for, people, for people who obviously can't see this, I'm pretending to dance and yeah. yell, but not. <laughs> it's a great image for everyone listening. Yeah, I looked like an absolute retarded peanut, but anyway... um yeah that is so awesome and i'm so pumped for you Mm. and thank you so Mm. much for sharing it and i hope this by telling more people uh one you empower yourself more because you're more vulnerable but then vulnerability takes courage and then courage leads to you feeling more empowered so well done for that and two if anyone's listening straight off the bat i hope you keep listening but i hope this empowers you if you're feeling like you need to open up about who you are and become who you are. Like Steph's story should empower you. I think it empowered me. (laughs) I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. So, um, I guess the question for me then is, so you were 27 going on 28 when you decided to, I guess, be Steph. That's, that's the moment you decided to be who you are. So what, Let's talk about what led to that point. What significant things happened in your life? And feel free to open up about what you want 
don't open up about stuff yeah. that you don't want. Um, but what happened yeah. in your life along the way to, I guess, put this big wall in front of you and the stuff that you actually wanted to be? Yeah. So I think first of all, it didn't, it didn't feel like it was like deciding to be myself. It felt like just acceptance of myself, less of a decision and more of like a realization, mm-hmm. um, in how it felt. I don't know how else to put that. Do you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it felt like more of a realization. Um, what led up to that? <laughs> this is going to sound so weird. <laughs> I feel like people are going to eye roll at this. Well, I joined TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and I joined TikTok ages ago. I think I mentioned to you, this to you that mm. I heard Gary Vee talking about it, like Gary Vee, the ultimate hype person for TikTok. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I was like, yeah, okay, I'll join TikTok, but like didn't really get into it. And then it came to a point in isolation where I was like, I have watched all of the Netflix shows. I have done all of the things. I'm working out all the time, but I was still looking for something else to do. I was like, oh, well, I'll just go on TikTok and see what's on there. And, you know, like in my brain, it's very much like a platform for 12-year-olds and everyone um, in the gay community on TikTok actually makes fun of this that, they're like, oh, I joined for, like, I joined thinking it was just 12-year-olds dancing. And uh, little did I know that there's this massive gay community uh, that exists there. And there's all these different dimensions of TikTok that you can be a part of whatever community mm. you make. And the algorithm puts you in that community. And it's a little bit crazy. Um, but I love it. And so I, I started to notice all of these extremely hot women on my feed And I was like, oh, my God, (laughs) what is going on? And then the more I sat and thought about it, I was like, oh, I'm confused. Oh, I'm bi. Oh, I'm whatever. And then, like I said, it just got to that day where I was like, oh, no, I'm I'm gay. (laughs) Just, oh, no, I'm just very gay. I I understand now. Um, But I guess, like, leading up to that way back is that, when I was a teenager, I thought that I was gay. Mm. And I opened up to one of my best friends about that. And I said to her, I was like, I don't, I don't know how I feel. And she was sort of um, going through, well, she was not going through the same thing, but she's, because she's very straight. (laughs) But, you know, she was sort of like questioning, questioning a couple of things. And I spoke to her about it. And we sort of did some research into it. (laughs) By research, I mean, she like asked some of her friends who were openly gay about how you know if you're gay. Mm. Um, And yeah, I I guess that's where, where it started and where I started questioning that. And so from that point, I thought, oh, maybe I'm bi-curious. Like, I'm just curious about girls, but I would never actually date them. Uh, And then I spent pretty much from my teenage years where I started questioning to 27, trying to convince myself that I wasn't gay. Mm -hmm. And why were you trying to convince yourself so much that you weren't gay? Was it kind of like a desire to be more normal or what other people perceived of normal? I had a podcast actually the other day... um, I just released it actually yesterday with uh, with John Linsky, and he said a quote. I can't remember exactly. I'm probably going to butcher this, so sorry, John, if you're listening. But it was, "We aren't what we perceive 
ourselves to be. We are what we perceive others to perceive us to be. Make sense? So, like, other people actually probably don't give a fuck. <laughs> but we're so wired to think about what they might think about what we are. Do you think that was kind of the block for you? Yeah, 100%. I resonate with that so much. I, and I get what you're, what you're saying, that we, it's almost like we want to be what society perceives as normal. Mm. And for me, my childhood wasn't normal. And so um, I guess when it came to coming out, I just, I didn't want to be gay because that wasn't perceived as quotation marks normal. Mm. Um I think normal should always be in inverted commas <laughs> um, because what is normal really? But so for my childhood, I grew up with a single parent. So that was like the first thing. I wasn't normal because I didn't have a dad, like society's perception of normal. Um, yeah, I didn't have a dad. My mum worked like two jobs. We weren't the richest of families. So, you know, we always struggled a little bit. I was bullied at my first primary school for being different for the clothes that I wore. Um, I was very much a tomboy. Um, and yeah, I was, I was definitely bullied for that. Then, uh, as I grew up, I sort of saw what was normal that was presented to us through media, especially movies and Disney movies, you know, Disney princesses and, Mm. The uh, prince always comes and saves her and, you know, they live happily ever after. Like, let's not talk about all of the problems with Disney movies. But... Yeah, <laughs> definitely Disney was a product of the patriarchy in some respects, wasn't it? I mean, if you look at who, oh, who my... the guy was who started it, he was a very messed up individual. Very yeah, smart, like... very intelligent, but also very, um, I think he was suffering from a lot of demons and a lot of hate in there. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's a lot of like very messed up stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we digress. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. So that was, you know, growing up. It, so it's referred to as internalized homophobia. And that comes from society teaching you what is, in inverted commas, normal. Mm. Um, and we were taught that. The prince comes in, saves you from whatever life you're living and you live happily ever after. Mm. I think the other thing to mention is that my mum also never had a stable boyfriend. Um, I guess you could say she was polyamorous. She had three boyfriends on rotation. Mm. Um, Again, not something that's normal. And people always used to ask me questions about that. Like, oh, do you think that that like affected you? Like it was not a normal thing. Mm. And then... I think it's important just quickly to say what yes. people consider normal. Because for some yes. people, like maybe for your mum, that was normal. Um, but yeah, 100%. yeah it's, it's, your, it's what you other people were telling you, right? Yes, 100%. That's what other people, like other people would be like, oh, what do you mean your mum has never been married? What do you mean? And I think because I also grew up religious, that was another thing. Like my mum had never been married but she'd had a baby. It, we, we were still like sort of in that era where like it was weird to have a baby out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. And so that was a bit of a thing as well. And, you know, she was very like confident in her sexuality and who she was, like very confident, such a confident lady. 
Um, and I really gosh, so much respect for her being that way in the era that she grew up in. Um, but as a child, society told me that wasn't normal. Mm. Uh, and other people told me that that wasn't normal. And like I said, whether that be people making comments about it or the media showing me that this is how things are supposed to work, you know, man and woman, two and a half children, all that jazz. So I wasn't, I didn't feel normal to begin with. And then when I hit the age of 14, my mum passed away. So, Again, yeah. another not normal thing to happen to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also important yeah. to point out that um, suffering aside, that would have been a time when you felt pretty un- insecure as well, right? There wasn't much, you were 14 years old, like you're still a kid. Yeah. very unstable time of my life. Mm. Uh, It was a really challenging part of my life. And I mean, you know, you have these periods in your life, I think that you sort of block out from your memory Mm. if they were hard or traumatic. And I really just blocked a lot of that out. So I can't recall a lot. Like I can recall these random memories and people that were there to support me. Uh, But there's a lot that I can't recall from that Mm. period of time. So, is it something you you want to recall? Is it something that's you know now that you're kind of a little bit more uh, secure about who you are, and you know you've got your own home that's ninety percent paid off, mm-hmm. and you're looking after yourself, you're sharpening your saw by being fit, you're meditating, you are proud to be gay and proud to be <laughs> and can't wait to get out there and start dating. Do you think this is something yeah. that maybe down the track you'd want to explore more and figure out what you're thinking in that time? Or Yeah, 100%. I think um, the next step for me is to go and see a therapist, uh, 100%. I think that's a really important part of growth and healing is speaking to someone. Uh, it's been on my to-do list for such a long time. This period of time has not made it easy mm. um, to go and do those things. But I I do think I want to speak to someone and sort of delve into a lot of those things. Mm. Um, Yeah, yeah, Mm. that's definitely like a next step for me, I'd say, for sure. Yeah, good to hear. I think a lot of people have this weird, um, this weird preconceived idea in their head that, yeah, I go to the doctor to check on my body, but no, I'm not going to go to a psychologist. That means I'm crazy. It's like, well, actually, Mm -hmm. maybe you just need to do a checkup on your brain. (laughs) Like on your mind. Yes. It's the same yeah, as going to a 100%. doctor. Yes, like, 100%. And I think I really do think like counsellors and psychologists, they should be normal. I don't understand why they're not normal or why people feel like it's a thing that, that, that they should avoid or be ashamed of because I saw them all throughout my childhood, obviously. My mum was sick for a really long time hmm. and I saw so many counsellors. And then after mum passed away I saw more counsellors and honestly those people got me through some really tough times like Mm. shout out to the counsellor that was at the school that I went to because oh my goodness she was amazing she Mm. was always there I could go to her office whenever I could just go and sit in her office even if she was with someone I could just go and sit somewhere in that little house that they had and just be there and Mm. yeah it was it was yeah the best thing that I've ever done and I know it will be one of the best things I ever do to Mm. continue to move through that. Amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. That's an amazing realisation to have, (laughs) accompanied with all the realisations you've had recently. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so, so I wanted to dive a little bit more into, I guess, this moment after your mum passed away. Um, mm -hmm. So from our chat the other day, it sounds like the two things you're really seeking, and I guess this is mainly your ego is seeking, this idea of comfort. So from being normal, you sought out to be normal, um, and being gay was not really considered normal by the masses in those days, and still to some degree isn't, which is changing for the positive though. And I think the other thing we talked about is you were seeking out security. So let's maybe talk about that, that period after your mum passed away, if you're happy to talk about it. And I guess what were the, the, the things that you strive to do in order to kind of, I guess, run away from who you were <laughs> or who you were becoming? Yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> Where do I begin? <laughs> um, so I guess the first thing that I did was seek connection to other people in the way that I, I have to say in the way that I was taught uh, and whether that be from my mom having multiple partners mm -hmm. or from the fact that I watched a lot of James Bond as a kid, <laughs> again, <laughs> media, uh, I sought connection through sex. Mm -hmm. So uh, in well, when I was a teenager, um, I hooked up with a lot of guys, so many guys. It was like I was so proud to be like, this is my number. This is how many guys I've hooked up with. And then out of high school, it was, again, a numbers game for me. I was like, this is this is my number. This is how many people I have slept with. Mm -hmm. um, and I was so immensely proud of that, like where some girls were like, didn't want to share that and wanted to be like, oh, no, like I, I don't want to share my number. I'm embarrassed. It's so high. I'm like, I'll tell you mine. <laughs> um, and at the time, I don't know what I thought at the time, but now looking back on that, I was like, wow, <laughs> there's a lot going on there. And once I started to unpack that, I really realized that the reason I was doing it was to seek that connection to another human. I was really after an intimate emotional connection with someone that I'd lost when my mum passed. Mm -hmm. So like, obviously single parent, I'm also an only child. Uh, my mum and I were so close. We were like, best friends, thick as thieves. We didn't really fight that much. We had a great relationship. So when I lost her, I really lost that one strong connection. Mm. And whilst I had lots of other people around me, it just it's just not the same, mm. you know? So, yeah, so I sought it out through sex in the way that society had told me I was supposed to with men. Mm. Um. Yeah, so I, I slept with a lot of guys and never really had a strong relationship and I could never figure out why. I found that every relationship I was in, the minute I lost that emotional connection and realised that their values were different or the way that they wanted to live their life was different to how I wanted to live it, I was, like, not interested. Just, like, clean cut, I'm done. Mm. And I could never understand how people could stay in relationships for so long if they didn't feel a strong emotional connection all the time. I could never, I could never figure it out. And 
I think it's, it's just a side note on that is this strong emotional connection at the time that to me, it wasn't, it's not, it, not in a healthy way. So it's like an attachment bond. So you were dependent um, on how other people made you feel as opposed to being independent about your own feelings or is, is that not correct? Um, no, it was more like what I was seeking was, um, how do I put it into words? It's what I was seeking was a feeling, but mm. the feeling was unhealthy. I was seeking trauma. <laughs> mm. okay. So let me back up a second. The wound, like when, so I've done a lot of like healing and growth and figuring out and research about what it is that I went through. And it's this thing called abandonment, uh, abandonment wound. Mm -hmm. So what happens is when someone abandons you, whether or not it's their choice. So my mum abandoned me, obviously not her choice, um, but that's how it resonates in my body. So that feeling of anxiety, that fight or flight, I was addicted to that feeling because that's what I perceived as love. Mm. Um, same with there's some other people in my life uh, at the time when I was going through that that also left and again that fight or flight oh sorry that fight or flight response um, that that feeling I somehow attached to a feeling of love so then that resonated, like that sort of like went over into my other relationships. So then when I was in other relationships, if I wasn't feeling this anxiety, I didn't think that I loved that person. Um, and yeah. Does that that's, make yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, let, let's dive into that a little bit more. Is it, is it similar to escapism in a, in a way? Oh, I'm not sure what's escapism. So escapism is, and I'm, I might be, uh, not a hundred percent on this, but in my opinion, like when any when anyone has a specific addiction to something, it tends to come from escapism. So they're trying to escape something first, um, and by getting this other emotion or this other feeling, um, it it stops any thought of of what they might have to face. For example, for you, I don't know, tell tell me if I'm wrong, but let's try this train of thought. For you, it was you you didn't wants to i guess really dive into the um, abandonment wound that you're talking about there was i guess a fear there so your escapism was um you know anxiety and having these loads and loads of relationships and i guess that was distracting you from actually facing the real trauma Um, which for you was twofold i think it was the abandonment and also the fact that you were not being true to, I guess, your sexual desires, who you were and who you wanted to be with. Mm. What do you think yeah, about 100%. that? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think I was trying to escape that. Um, I definitely avoided dealing with any trauma for, gosh, maybe 10 years. Mm. Um, so and I guess it's it, been... In a, in a way, mm-hmm. pain pain and anxiety became your addiction. Like, like you're saying, yeah. the, the anxiety and the pain of all these breakups and all these bouncing between relationships and not being happy in them. You were like punishing yourself in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, probably. (laughs) 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 It's 
so fucked up. Yeah. Hi, my name's Steph, and I'm fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name's Jack. Me too. Yep. There was this one time I tried to throw myself a building. Yeah, super fucked up. What's uh, up? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, love that. All human, all fucked up. Yeah. It's good, though, now that you can sit here and just look back and then be like, wow, I was really fucked up. But, like, you can yeah. smile about it and you can laugh about it and you can be like, okay, this is what healing looks like. I'm, I'm comfortable to talk about this shit now. Yeah, 100%. And I think, so, um, just going back on what you were saying about that escapism theory, mm. um, I, uh, I avoided healing. I avoided it because it was based on my survival as a teenager. So when you're a kid, you know, you rely heavily on your parents or guardians to be there and look after you. Mm. Um, And sometimes we're taught to act a certain way to survive, inverted commas. Mm. Um, So... I think that for me was me trying to be as normal as possible was me just trying to survive and get through because Mm. at that point in my life, I couldn't deal with the trauma Mm. because I didn't feel safe. Mm. Not like I physically felt, well, I don't know. I didn't, something didn't feel safe in my body. So mm. I avoided dealing with anything else because I just had to survive at that point. Yeah, that makes sense, and that's really understandable because, I mean, at 14 years old, your brain is still... You don't understand your emotions to the point that you understand them now. You know, for you, it's like, it is it is very much the reptilian brain, fight or flight, like, how do I survive this? So it makes sense that you mm-hmm. thought on your experiences and you knew that your mum was happy being the person she was and she had lots of boyfriends and lots of partners so Mm -hmm. that was what you reverted to you went to what was safe right and i guess in a way to show everyone else that you're okay and by doing that then everyone else would think you're normal and then you you had this perception in quotes that you were gonna be safe and normal and happy and have a white picket fence and get married one day and all this yeah yeah exactly but on a um on a slightly lighter note, mm. I was also, meanwhile, convincing all of the girls to hook up with me in high school. Convincing <laughs> yeah. them. Right? Your inner, I, your, inner, your was, inner gay was just like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I remember my first ever girl that I hooked up with. Ironically enough, I hooked up with, uh, for bleh, <laughs> I hooked up with my first girl um, on a jumping castle, listening to Katy Perry, I Kissed a Girl. <laughs> I think, I'm, I think I'm going to make this that the start of the podcast because that's pretty funny. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, do it. Yeah, um, yeah I, on a jumping castle, listening to Katy Perry, I Kissed a Girl. And I convinced her to do it because I knew she liked attention. Mm. How old were you at this point? And 14. Yeah, okay. Was I? No. Yeah, I think I must have been. I don't even know if that was before or after my mum passed away. I thought I was in year nine, though. Maybe I wasn't. Oh, it doesn't matter. Around <laughs> that age, though. Cool. Around that age. Where it was still appropriate to have jumping castles at birthday parties. Yes, yeah. Um, and I was doing it because I wanted to kiss a girl, mm. and I knew she would do it because she wanted the boy's attention. Uh, <laughs> so, right. yeah. And then I spent the rest of high school convincing all the other girls that they like need to kiss a girl at least once in their high school experience and that they should probably just kiss me. <laughs> I'll do it. 
Yeah. That's awesome. Let me do it. That's awesome. <laughs> so was, that's that's crazy that you were like internally you were having this battle between you know the gay staff versus the I want to be normal staff, and gay staff was still getting a bit of airtime. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> a little bit of tongue time. Like, what the hell? So I don't know how. I, I guess from here, like, there's there's obviously a lot happened in your twenties, and I'm guessing you kept continuing this trend of being a serial monogamist in a way, where you were <laughs> just hooking up with dude after dude and having relationship after relationship that didn't really last or give you any sort of satisfaction. Actually, that's a, a question mm-hmm. I want to ask before we go into the next step is. When you were having sex with all these guys, were you at any point satisfied? This is my favorite question. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, all right, hold on. Let me just listen. Here we go. Okay, she's, so. she's warming up, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so first of all, I think that the way that like men and women, I think we've all established that the way that men and women work when it comes to satisfaction and pleasure is completely different, right? Oh, yeah. So for men, it can a lot of the time just be mechanical. I can't speak too much of that. Not a man. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But for women, a lot of the time it's emotional. Mm. Uh, and you have to be in the right headspace, clear brain. It's not mechanical. Like it's, if it's we're not feeling, in the mood. Right? Pardon? It's more of a feeling, right, for women as opposed to men. It's like pump, pump, I'm done. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah, like I have to feel emotionally connected and I'm speaking for myself. It can be very different for, like it's obviously different for everyone, Mm. but um, for the people that I've spoken to, it's pretty similar. Like if you're not in the right headspace, then like if you're distracted by something or there's something else going on in your life, then a lot of the time it can be really hard to get off. Mm. So for me, for the people that I dated that I had a strong emotional connection with, um, it was better. Mm-hmm. In saying that, I could probably count on one hand the amount of times that I have orgasmed without thinking about a woman. Mm. So most times when I had sex and I was really into it, I'd have to close my eyes and fantasize about women. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And so, like, you would think that that would be an obvious factor, right? Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about women all the time while I'm having sex. Maybe, maybe I'm gay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, uh, no, it wasn't that obvious. So when I was a teenager, I told you that my friend, she went and did some research, right? Mm. So she asked her friend, and her friend said, if when you're masturbating, you're thinking about women, then you're gay. And I was like, me as a teenager was like, oh, no, oh, no, I'm gay. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So as a teenager, I was like, I feel like I was more open to the fact, but then something happened and obviously I didn't go down that path because then I read somewhere else, read, listened to, I don't know, someone said somewhere (laughs) that sometimes women fantasize about women because they can relate to the situation. They can relate to what's happening more because it's their, like they see female bodies. Mm. And so I ran with that idea for a solid 15 years. <laughs> I was like, no, I fantasize about women 
because I can relate to what's happening. That that's that um that's a classic example of what we were talking about before about that I guess that fight or flight and you were you were trying to find safety in the comfort your ego was providing by saying, Oh no, no, you are normal. You're normal. It's okay, don't yeah. worry. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. So I was like, no, hundred percent the reason that you are thinking about women, it's not because you're gay. It is definitely just because you can relate relate to the situation. Mm. So I uh, I did have pleasure mm. with past partners. Um, it's different for each person. For the random hookups, none, absolutely none. There was like, you know, I I really only think about the guys that I was like actually emotionally connected to. Mm. That makes sense with everything that you're saying, that you needed, like, an emotional connection as opposed to just a physical connection. And and I think it, I think it's pretty fascinating yeah. what you said. Remember yeah. uh, when we did that uh, staff Zoom chat the other week and I was reading that blurb out about sex at dawn? So that, yeah. I think I sent you this this in a, in a voice message, actually. Like, the blurb doesn't do that book justice because it was, like, really eye-opening because everything you're saying to me now, like, I totally understand after reading that mm. book because and one of the really good quotes he says so it's him and he gets contribution from i think she's like south american or something but anyway there's two of them that are kind of co-authoring this book but he's kind of put it all together and he says in there there's this age-old question what are women thinking and he says the answer is really quite simple it depends <laughs> it's like you can never know because like when it comes down to it and i think this is like a big difference and why a lot of like when we're talking about just gender right now and what we consider male and female or what people identify themselves as male and female um the biological makeup of someone who is masculine predominantly masculine versus someone who is predominantly feminine is totally different so when you're seeking out pleasure or partners like you say and and like you i guess can be your own realization of you're chasing those feelings and those emotions the who the partner is whether they're male female non-binary or somewhere on the spectrum i guess when it, for women it tends to not matter as much whereas for men what they decide to do when they're younger this is why there's less bisexual men right because if a man decides when he's younger he sees gay porn and he goes Yep, yeah, that's me. I'm into dudes. Boom, that's how he's going to be. Or watches, yeah. sees a, a naked girl for the first time, I don't know, and, and goes, yep, I'm into woman. That's who I'm going to be. So it's a lot more black and white when you're predominantly masculine, whereas for women it's a lot more, there's a lot more grey. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think I, I kind of disagree on a little bit of that because I think cool. there's a lot of men out there that are also and I've only really learned about this being a part of the LGBTQIA plus community recently, especially on TikTok. Um I think that there are a lot of <laughs> love that. I love that TikTok, TikTok is like everyone. LGBTQ like like it's oh crazy. <laughs> it's like it's next level. It's great. I love it. I, do you know what I'm scared to go back into the real world world because I'm just surrounded constantly by these open minded, understanding individuals that just want to change the world and i'm like oh, i don't really want to go back into real life where there's people that are like that <laughs> so why don't you seek them out seek them out in real life 
Yeah, I have. I talked. I've got friends. I make friends. I have friends. We talk on Instagram. Yeah, no, I'd, yeah. I'd agree with you. There definitely is. And I think uh, it comes down to like kind of along the lines of that conversation we were having last time about how, you know, people don't really identify specifically as male or female anymore. There is like such a huge spectrum now that people can identify in. And it may be <clears> that, you know, let's say I have, I don't know, 40%, you know, estrogen and like the biological makeup that, I guess identifies me more as a woman and then 60% testosterone, I might be more inclined to be a little bit more open in terms of, Oh, you know, like mm-hmm. I might be attracted to this guy or maybe this girl or maybe, um, this other person versus someone who's a hundred percent testosterone and decides yeah. they're like woman is, it's probably going to be really difficult yes. for that person to understand a person who's like 40, 60, you know? Yes. Yeah. 100%. Do you know what I think was really interesting was when I started to come out and I started listening to podcasts and all that stuff about, you know, the gay experience and all these other people. And I remember someone saying that straight people don't question their sexuality. And I was like, what? (laughs) They're like, yeah, people that are straight just don't question their sexuality. Like they don't think, oh, maybe, you know, maybe I like the other gender. Mm. And I was like, Oh, I thought, <laughs> I thought that was like, okay, cool. Right. Well, that makes more sense. And then there was the time that someone said, yeah, straight people actually really, oh God, I'm going to say this. Do yeah. It. Okay. Straight people really enjoy giving head. And I was like, what? <laughs> I Why? This person was like, yeah, I was like, I, I thought it was like a known, like a secret on the download. Yeah. Like we do it, but we don't really enjoy it. Am I right? But no, <laughs> yeah, people right. just really enjoy doing it. I thought. So you're giving you're like, giving someone a blowjob, and you're like, "This is fucking terrible," but I guess I'll do it anyway. It's the worst. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I know for a fact that one of my friends is going to listen to this. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, anyway, whatever. Fuck it. Like this is this is you. This is real talk, man. Like, imagine if everyone had these conversations, and then they just suddenly went, "Holy shit! Yeah, I hate." giving dudes head and i do yeah. fantasize about women fuck i'm gay yes. <laughs> yes and see that's the thing that's why i think it's so important to have these conversations and why i put myself out there because mm. these are the sort of conversations that have helped me so much is like when people get real vulnerable and they're like you know what <laughs> mm. this is what happened <laughs> yeah fuck yeah and all so, power to yeah. you and thank you so much for doing it and choosing to have a podcast with me and and yeah. what you touched on there like vulnerability like, mm-hmm. this is weird, and I think guys are having massive growth in this area. Guys who identify themselves as quite masculine. Um, a friend of mine, he's technically is not a friend of mine, I've only just met him, but hopefully I get him on the podcast, his name's Gabe, and he started this thing called Hey Mate, and it's a bunch of guys get together in a Zoom chat like we're doing now, like maybe there's 10 to 20 of them, and they just have deep conversations like this about being vulnerable. Yes. And it's like so powerful because now these guys are starting to go, hold on, if I tell my truths and I am vulnerable, that equals courage. Courage is not hiding it and pretending to be this macho man who doesn't cry. 
encourages crying, going, I have feelings. <laughs> so, yeah. so what you're doing yeah. right now, yeah. in your own way, is showing a vulnerability, and that's telling other people, subconsciously, for you guys who are listening, yeah, be vulnerable. Like, fuck it. Once you tell someone the truth, they can't hold shit against you. And if they get all mm-hmm. up in your grill about it, guess what? Walk the other direction. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing, isn't it? Like, this is this is who I am. This is me. This is my life. This is how I live. And these are the conversations that I love having. Mm. And if you're not here for that, that's fine. You don't have to be. Mm. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> see, see you later, baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, that was. I think that was a really cool little rabbit hole we went down. Um, yeah, but good. I guess the next um, the next trend I thought I want to dive into is so you've gone through this long long period of um, seeking out comfort and seeking out normality and avoiding your truths. Um, what changed in quarantine? Or was it was it just specifically <laughs> qu- yeah TikTok right TikTok the savior. Um, <laughs> Imagine you start a cult and you just start worshipping TikTok as a god. <laughs> Can I? Um, yeah, I mean, you do you, but uh, I, I'm, I'm probably not going to join. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, dear. Um, so what, what changed? Yeah, what, what changed? Was it, yeah, was it was it isolation and quarantine that changed it or was this kind of uh, step-by-step thing? Like, what, what was the, I guess, for you, the the standout moments and what changed. So I told you this last week and I knew, I know you loved it and I love, I love this. What's it called? It's a, where you relate something to something else. A metaphor. Is it? I don't know. Say it and then we'll decide. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'll say it. Okay. So I sort of, first of all, I look at growth like a Mario game, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You're playing Mario. Oh, yeah, it does. And, yeah, so you go through each level and you learn these, like, different skills and they help you beat the boss. Mm. So growth for me is, like, going through life and learning all these different skills and then the universe, whatever, higher power, Gaia, whatever you want to call it, mm. throws this thing at you and is like, all right, I taught you all these skills, now you're going to beat this. Like, what are you going to do? Show me what you've learned. Mm. And you've got to beat this boss. And, oh, my God, it's so hard. It's so hard. You end up on the floor. Maybe you die a couple of times. Obviously not, like, really. But, like, you know, you're you're on the floor crying. You're having a mental breakdown. Mm. Which is suffering. But you get back up. Pardon? Which is suffering in the real world when you have those deep, dark moments. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And then you beat this boss and you level up mm-hmm. like that song, level up, level up, level up, level up. That's what I like sing in my head every time. So you level up and you go on to the next thing and you continue to learn and grow. ISO to me was like when you're playing Mario Kart and you hit one of those magic boxes mm. and it like supercharges you. <laughs> That's what ISO was to me. It was like, <laughs> all right, we're going to go through all of this stuff real fast. And then we're just going to take you straight to the boss and see what you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's sort of how I so felt. It just felt like it was growth on crack. Yeah. Like, I got it. <laughs> growth on crack. <laughs> the quote of the century. 
<laughs> yeah, um, I think that's a great yeah. way to relate to it. For people that like gamifying things makes things easier to understand. Like totally different example, but for example, financial education, comparing it to something like mm. Monopoly makes it e- easier to understand. You buy assets, yes. you have more wealth. And I guess for you, it's yes. like you were able to relate to it using Mario Karts. You hit the supercharge box, but to get to the supercharge box requires some deep suffering. And I think this yeah. is the part that people hate confronting. And it sounds like that was the part that you avoided for so long in these um, your, your attempts to be normal was confronting mm. the darkness, you know, going through the suffering yeah. and being like, fuck, this is not who I am. And then once you go into that suffering and you hit the banana and you spin out and you get your new life, you hit the box and you're fucking firing up to the moon. And I remember the other day, I remember the other day when bars were open, bless, that was a beautiful time. And you came to the door and I was, I was working. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was fun for a time. But I remember you came (laughs) to the door and I was like, I could sense something about you. And I was like, fuck, she's vibrating on a whole nother level. And I remember saying that to you. Was yeah, that was that you did say that to me. Was that post supercharged box hit? Yeah, it was. I was feeling myself that night, not gonna lie. Yeah. I was like Yeah, you looked hot. I was, I was like, holy shit, out. Steph is like she's looking hot, she's vibrating <laughs> yeah. on another level. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I had my heels on, like my heels that I bought in France, and I was like <laughs> I like I left my house that day and I was like, man, I feel so good. I'm going to hang out with some people. You know, when you're like, you haven't seen people in such a long time Uh and you're like just vibing. And I was like, yep, I love my makeup. I love my hair. I love these shoes that I'm wearing. I feel like a boss. Yeah. yeah. And then when we saw you guys, I was like, oh, I'm so glad I saw so many people because I feel so good tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck yeah. Yeah. I think by that stage you'd, you'd, you know, you'd, you were really like who you were and you internally you'd validated yourself and then you're out and about and then everyone else was like seeing that and they're like, wow, that's power. And that's, that's real power to yeah. me. That's real greatness. Not someone who walks around with the idea that, that, that everyone else needs to compliment them. It's someone who already knows that they compliment themselves and you were in that zone yes. that night. Yeah. And, and I think that's the, that's the important point in that, isn't it? Like before I left the house, I was already feeling myself. Mm. I wasn't feeling myself after I saw people and they told me, that I looked good. I was feeling myself beforehand. Mm, mm. Um, yeah. And you still are. Yeah. Fuck yeah. You're still writing. <laughs> this is, there's this really good quote. I can't remember. It's this lady. I can't remember her name, but she was in charge of like organizing the Paris climate agreement. I can't remember the quote she said in this podcast, but she said, there's always going to be waves that knock you back, but as soon as you discover that the tide is going in the right direction, nothing stops you. And I think you have caught yes. the tide. And every wave yes. that hits, you're like, fuck you, wave. I'm going this way. Like, deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. I feel like, so, um, for, those, for everyone that's listening, I went to France uh, almost a year ago. I flew to France by myself and lived in France for 10 months. Mm. And I think that was the beginning of my growth. And while I was over there, I committed to growth. Like I I literally sat down and I was like, I commit to growth. I commit to like learning more about myself and, you know, learning to accept myself and learning 
all of the things that make me who I am. Like I really committed to that and I followed people that helped me grow on social media. I followed all of the people that talked about growth and healing. There's the holistic psychologist is a really amazing one for like internal growth Mm. um, and self-love. And I just, I started going down that path and I was like, once you're on, I really think that once you're on that, like you said, that wave, that wave of growth, when you get knocked back, it's not, it's not like, fuck the world. This is mm. the worst. It's like, interesting. Okay. Let's <laughs> analyze that. <laughs> like, you stop being so angry at yeah. things that make your life hard and you just learn to question them and observe them like your thoughts in meditation, right? Mm. You, mm. They say, observe your thoughts. Don't get angry at your thoughts. Just observe them, like see what they're doing. That's sort of how I feel about things that knock me back. I'm like, okay, that was interesting. Mm. Why did that happen? Mm. Let's let's sit down and like let's look at that for a second. Mm. And once I changed that mentality, it made it easier to grow. So mm. when I did get on TikTok and I saw all these hot women, I was like, that's interesting. <laughs> that's interesting that TikTok knows you better than yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so true, man. So yeah. true. Um, well, and then I was like, okay, let's let's look at that. And then, you know, like I said, I started to look back on my life and I was like, all right, I was the girl that convinced everyone to look up with me. I also tried to tell myself I wasn't gay for such a long time, physically tried to tell myself I was gay. Mm. Uh, not gay, sorry. And, um, yeah, so, but once you analyse, like once you commit to growth, you sort of just, you just don't stop. Mm. It's like addictive. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. It's because yeah. it, it, it. I mean, from a biological perspective, it starts releasing all the happy chemicals in your brain. So, as you grow and as you grow, you learn to give back, and then that builds on top of the growth, and then it's just this continuous like. That's why people who start something and don't stop, they just never stop. <laughs> Once you yeah. start, it's it's really hard to stop. You know. Yeah, it's like it's like a snowball. It's yeah. that snowball. Yeah. You start with a tiny little snowball and then it just builds momentum and it mm. just keeps going. Mm. Mm. It's great. So I think mm. I think we're kind of moving into a, a point where you can start offering a few of your points of wisdom and how you got through this. Um, but mm. the, the first question going into that point in this podcast would be, do you think that slowing down, so like the forced slowdown of quarantine and isolation do you think by slowing down that actually sped you up in the direction you really wanted to go yes yes but i don't think it yes but yeah (laughs) i i don't think it necessarily needs to be a slowdown Mm. i think it just needs to be you giving yourself time to hang out with yourself. I'm a very busy person Mm. and I like admit that that is very much how I dealt with my grief over the years um, was I'll just be busy. I'll just do lots of things. I'll work, I'll have hobbies, I'll do all of the things. And I definitely, that's a learned trait. I learned it from my mum. She was the same. She was a very busy human. If life got a little hard, she'd just add more things to her schedule. Um, So I just did the same thing. I was like, okay, great. I can't deal with these emotions. So I'll just make all these commitments and overwork myself. Mm. So I guess, yes, the slowdown 
um, was so important. Um, but I still was doing things. I think that's the other thing. Like I was still studying. I was still exercising all the time. So I think it wasn't the slowdown so much as is it was choosing the things that I actually made me happy, mm. choosing the things that I really wanted in my life, like going for a walk every single day. That was something that I really wanted. And the amount of like, I call them downloads, the amount of downloads that I had on my walk, you know, these moments of like, ah, oh, that's a great idea. I should do this. You know, mm. these like, it was like my creative space going mm. for this walk. Um, and I think that was really important to my growth. Uh, and then again, sitting on the couch and, you know, indulging in Netflix series for a day, if that's what I wanted to do, or a couple of days. I think I did it for two weeks to be completely fair. You know, indulging in that, but that's what was making me happy at the time or cooking and filming it for people. That's what made me happy at the time. So instead of, so not so much the slowdown, but more the intentional decision to do the things that actually made me happy. Mm. You chose to be less that, busy and more purposeful. Yes, 100%. And, and then the minute I started doing that, the minute I was able to be more honest, mm. I guess, about who I was. Because mm. I was like, yeah, like I said, like we said before, it's like the snowball. You know, mm. once it starts, you just sort of keep going. Mm. Mm. But making the start is the hardest part. And I don't think it's so much making the start. I think mm. it's the lead up to the start. Because once you actually take an action in the right direction, that actual, like, bang action is, like, really yes. fucking easy. It's the, like, yeah. the wind up to it, the decision to uh, be more purposeful and less busy. And I think one of the most important questions I have asked myself, and it took doing a podcast, this was actually with John as well, to realize this, was why. Asking yourself why, like, sitting down like you did with a bit of paper, or maybe, like, why do I keep myself so busy? Like, yeah. why do I do X? Why do I do Y? Yeah. Why am I attracted yeah. to blah, blah, blah? Why do I have sex with all these guys? Why do I keep ending my relationships? Why do I fantasize about women when I'm trying to have an orgasm? Like, those kind of yeah. things. Like, once you start asking yourself why, it becomes powerful, right? Mm. Yeah, 100%. I, and I think I so, like, forced that. I so really force that because I wouldn't have sat down and done that. Well, I can't say that because I don't know, but I probably wouldn't have sat down and analyzed that or I wouldn't have taken the time to go on walks. And so for me, I so has felt really positive mm. because it's been a con it's, it's helped me grow. It's or it's felt positive from the beginning. It gave me the time to sit and figure out what I wanted because I'm, not 100% sure I would have done it and it could have taken me another 10 years to get to this mm. point. Mm. But I don't know. I don't know if it could – I don't know if that would have happened or not, but, you know. Yeah. What, whatever had happened the way it did and you got to where you are and now the universe is sending you more and more signals and you're actually listening now. Yes. You're not too 100%. busy to hear them. Yeah. That's exactly. amazing. That's so true. Cool. Well, I guess for someone else out there, let's say there's – uh, someone listening and they're kind of relating and they're going, fuck, actually I've been questioning my sexuality for a while or I've been questioning my just general path in life for a while. What are the things that you did and what would you suggest to people um, 
if they want to, I guess, get themselves out of that suffering? What are the things you did? Maybe, maybe five Join steps. Join TikTok. Or... <laughs> Join TikTok. That's so good. We're back to quality <laughs> internet connection. So first tip: join TikTok. Okay, and now for the now for the more broad <laughs> tip. So if you if you think that you are a lesbian, join TikTok. <laughs> no, if you think you're like queer or anything, join TikTok. If you just want to learn about the LGBTQIA plus community, wow, I stumbled on that one. Yeah. Um, if you just want to learn about that community, just join join TikTok. It's a it's a really great space. <laughs> um, but can you ask me the question again? What advice would I have? Okay, let's so let's make it a little bit easier. What would I guess based it on your own experience because that's pretty powerful because you've got past that suffering. So if someone's suffering mm-hmm. like you are to get clarity on who they want to be um, and they want to make some change, let's do five steps that you took. Let's make them pretty broad. For example, like get clarity or start doing meditation or, you know, what were mm-hmm. five of the most powerful things you did to get yourself out of that suffering, take responsibility for who you want to be and then start taking the actions? The first thing I did was decide how I wanted to live my life mm-hmm. um, and decide that I wanted to live it on my own terms. Mm-hmm. That was the first thing that I did. I think that that's right. You have to like physically decide that and go, yeah, this is what I want. Put it out there into the universe, say, this is what I want. I want this journal it, write it, say it, speak it, like whatever, whatever works for you. Just say it. What is it? What is it you want out of life, Steph? What do I want out of life? Yeah. It's very broad. I just want happiness. Cool. I just want to be happy. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. And then the second step is find people that do those things. So find people that are living the life that you want to live. And I don't mean like literally if you want to be like a restaurant owner, go and find a bunch of restaurant owners, right? I mean like find people that are living their life unapologetically. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And you have to surround yourself with people like that. We are living in this great technological age that you have access to these people all over the world. So go onto social media or you can like even create another account if you don't want to curate your personal Instagram account. And I think Instagram's a great place for this at the moment. Like TikTok though is slowly overtaking Instagram, just saying. Mm. Um, but go and find those people that are living their life the way that you want to live your life. So I found people, um, for example, uh, Rachel Hollis. She's American. I've read her book. She talks a lot about... Girl, wash your face. Yeah. It's a great great book. I love it. She's... um, Yeah, she lives her life unapologetically herself. Mm -hmm. And she speaks a lot to women empowerment, which I love. And I was like, yeah, she's one of those people. Uh, And then I found more people that I knew would help with my growth, the holistic psychologist and the millennial therapist. Mm -hmm. um, That helped me to question things that were coming up. Um, but just more people that are living their life. Uh, there's someone else that I follow, the professional babe, Peter Serres. 
She, again, another strong, um, strong woman in business, like just that. So that's what I did. I went onto my social media and I went off this idea that you are the sum of the five people that you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. And I made sure that I had at least five people on my social media feed every single day that showed me the way that I wanted to live my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's my, that was my second step. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a powerful one actually. Um, and that you touched on it perfectly with take advantage of the technological age we're in because you couldn't find five people within a couple of clicks that you wanted to, you know, use as, I guess, mentors in your life mm-hmm. 10, 20 years ago. Like, that wasn't possible. You actually had to go and seek people out and go to conferences. Now, take advantage of the internet. 100%. And people, like, you can hate on social media as much as you want, but... You, if you use it in the right way, it's such a powerful platform for change. There's, you know, platforms, uh, yeah, platforms or accounts like Business Chicks or the Feminist Lead or, um, you know, all of those, all of those accounts that speak to women empowerment. If that's what you want in your life, you know, mm-hmm. like I said, it doesn't have to be that. If you are looking for more business related stuff, you can look at like Gary Vee. Great example. I love Gary Vee. I think mm-hmm. he's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, He's not on my top five at the moment, but he definitely was at some point. Mm. Um, and I think that's probably another thing is like changing that as you grow, figure out who is resonating more with you and then consume more of their content. There's mm. so much free content out there. Consume mm. what you want your life to be. Mm. That's, mm. that's a good way to put it. It's a really good way to yeah. put it. I think the thing that people might struggle with that and that second tip too is this whole negativity bias that people have that – and. This one, like, I try to make clear to people, the empathetic thing to do in this situation, if someone comes to me now and goes, oh, but, like, I can't because of this, or I can't because of this, I'll literally just be like, fuck off. Like, take responsibility, because guess what? Like, as much as you complain, the change is not going to happen for you. You've got to make the decision consciously to go, okay, I'm going to stop following all these people that bring me down. I'm going to start following these people that bring me out. That that decision has to be personal. Yeah. And I think that would probably, like, if I was to restructure this, I would probably say that that's maybe, like, step number one is decide that you are responsible for your life. Mm. You have to stop. You have to stop blaming things. You can't – It's you've got the two types of people, right? The people that things happen to mm. and the people that – make things happen the people that let things happen to them are the ones that are like this person did this this person upset me and I don't know I, I actually think I was brought up this way because my my mom was a school teacher um and I remember one of the biggest lessons that I learned was these are the rules of your high school I went to a Catholic girl school I knew the rules of my high school my mom also taught at a Catholic girl school mm. and she said, if you break them, you suffer the consequences. Like, that's how it works. These are the rules. You know the rules. You signed a piece of paper that said, I understand the rules. Um, so you then have to follow those rules. If you choose to break those rules, there are consequences. That is just how life works. Mm. And I remember that being a really strong lesson in my household because as I went through high school, I used to see all these girls like trying to fight with the teachers about 
whether or not they could wear jewelry. They're like, yeah, but it's my mum's. And I was like, you literally know that you're not allowed to wear jewelry to school. So I don't understand why you're fighting with them. Like (laughs) you did it. You broke the rule. Just accept that. Mm. Like don't fight. And I was never that kid to fight because I was like, yeah, I, I know. I understand the rules. So I think that was like a really great basis to me just taking responsibility. It was like, okay, these are the rules of life. If I don't agree with them, there's a way to go about getting them changed, right? If we're talking about like politics sort of things, you know, there's petitions that you can sign. Just because it's a rule doesn't mean it's right. Don't get me wrong Mm. on that level. Just because it's a rule doesn't mean it's right. Mm. Or like a rule of life, inverted commas, right? A rule Mm. of life or um, a social standard just because that's what it is doesn't mean it has to be like that forever. Mm. I'm talking but do you sort of get what I mean? I get what you mean. To really simplify it, it's um, pulling rules aside. If you want change, be proactive, don't be reactive. Don't be the person that gets hit and then complains. Be the person who gets hit, goes, all right, what can I do about this? What can I do about this? Yeah. So I guess for you it would be, let's let's maybe look at this again. I think step one would be, um, I think asking yourself what you want is really important. Step two would be take Mm -hmm. responsibility and total accountability. And then step three would be what you were saying about seek out people that are going to, I guess, get you to where you want to be. So what's, what's, yeah. what's the fourth one then? What's, what's after that? What's step four? Um, I think step four is it's the growth mm. factor. It's, that's where the growth happens. Mm-hmm. It's you've decided to be responsible. You've, um, yeah, you're taking responsibility for your own actions and for those things and your own life. Um, you've decided that you want your life to be a certain way. You've found people that show you the way that you want to, you know, that embody the way that you want to live your life. And then step four is start there. Like don't take on too much. That's, that's a great beginning. Just start there and go with that. Um, and then I would probably say, can I add like a sixth one? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. There's no like definitive rule around the steps here. You could only have five steps. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So step five, I would then say, is create routine. Routine is one of the most powerful things. Um, When you create routine, you create habits, and then that takes – it gives you the power. So, for example, I create a morning routine, and I do the same thing every single morning Mm. without fail. Mm. And I designed my morning routine – around things that bring me joy so i get up when my that's a good start that is now it's a good start getting up i'm glad you wake up (laughs) thank you very much thank you round of applause for me (laughs) um yeah you wake up when your alarm goes off that's a habit that i created so anytime my alarm goes off i get out of bed without fail doesn't matter what time it goes off i don't have a specific time i get up every single day but if my alarm goes off i'm up Mm-hmm. and I worked really hard to create that habit, and it's a habit now that I don't even think about. Mm-hmm. I then get coffee. Mm-hmm. I'm very lucky to have an automatic coffee machine, so my coffee is ready for me when I wake up. Yes. And then I do a French lesson, uh, and I journal. And I do this every single morning without fail mm. because it's a habit that I created. And the same with my walks. I go for a walk in the afternoon. And then after my walks, I'm allowed to do whatever I want. So Mm. it's like movies and dinner and like whatever. Mm. 
So when I created routine, I took some of the thought out of things that I wanted to do. So, um, oh, weirdly enough, I think I actually recorded like a podcast on this, on creating a morning and a nighttime routine. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, ages ago when I was in France. Um, Wait, so yeah, you used to record about... podcasts? Pardon? You used to have your own podcast? No, I just recorded these two episodes. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, think it, I think it'd be fucking um, awesome at it, actually. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, yeah. I created a podcast. I just haven't uploaded any episodes. Cool, do it. <laughs> um, I'll promote the shit anyway, out of it. Thank you. Do you want me to tell you what it's called? Yeah, go on. It's called Knockoffs with Steph. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's supposed to be like these sorts of chats but like you know the chats that you have on shift yeah yeah like when you're working in hospitality mm, mm. those chats yeah or the chats that you have at knockoffs with people yes yeah, all the taboo topics that people don't want to talk about sick it's sick there's yeah. definitely some people that at work you could have on the show that would talk about some crazy shit yes, <laughs> yes i know how great would that be fuck yeah anyway we've gone off an, um, on a tangent here yeah sorry um so create routine yeah, creating a routine mm. that's really important and then the sixth step would be choose happiness, like not in the big moments. Don't be like, you know, when I have a million dollars, I'm going to be happy because that's not where happiness come, comes from. Mm. Choose happiness in your everyday life. So I always think back to, I don't know if you've seen the movie About Time. Rings a bell. Remind me. Classic rom-com. It's got Bill Nye in it, who's like my favorite actor of all time because he looks like an old school rock and roller that never stopped doing drugs. Yes. Makes me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's about this father and son that can time travel. Uh Um, And without giving too much away, they can time travel backwards, not forwards, just backwards into anything that they've lived in the past. And there's this one scene, well, not with multiple scenes, this one section of the movie where he lives every day twice. The first time, he just lives it like how he would normally live his life. And then when it gets to the end of the day, he travels back in time to the beginning of the day, but he chooses to live it differently the second time over. So the second time over, he chooses to notice the little things that bring him joy. So the first time he goes through it, he gets to the end of the day and he's like, he's angry, he's upset, he had a crap day at work, his boss was rude, he was running late to something, he let everything affect him. And then the second time he went through this day, he found joy in the small things, like they were running late and instead of just stressing out about being late, he stopped for a second. He was like, how cool is this building, you know? just taking the moment to appreciate that joy. Mm. And I do that in my everyday life. Like sometimes I don't, but a lot of the time I'll try and stop and be like, I do it a lot with windows. I really love windows. I really like looking out windows, really like the outdoors. So I moved my bed next to my window because it brings me more joy because in the morning I like to sit there and look outside at the trees and at the sunshine. Um, I enjoy washing dishes because I can look outside and look at the beauty of the sun hitting the trees in the distance. Mm. When I go for my walks, I'll stop and take a moment to appreciate 
maybe the sun shining on me or if I'm going for a nighttime walk, the sun setting. I appreciate, although it's not very good at the moment, the people that are all out there enjoying that time as well and that fresh air and that exercise. Mm. So taking the moment to appreciate those really small things I think is so important because that's what brings you happiness. It's Mm. not achieving the big goals. Mm. What brings you happiness is the small, small things. And so in my journal for like weeks and even sometimes now I'll write, I used to write um, a lot about what I was grateful for in the morning and I'll write, I'm gay because I'm so grateful that I can (laughs) say that proudly. I'm like, Yes. I'm still gay. Woke up, still gay. Like, they're, they're the things that I'll write, you know, because Woke that just brings still, me so, so much good. happiness. That's Woke so up, still good. gay. That's a good title. <laughs> Woke up, still gay. Yeah. Oh, dear. Awesome. But yeah. Actually, yeah. You, just, you just triggered a thought in me. Though, first of all, those are great steps. I think anyone listening, let's just break it down from again. So, step one was um, what do you want? Take responsibility. Okay, step one was take okay. responsibility take responsibility uh-huh. two. step two was figure out what you want mm-hmm. how you want to live your life three step three was find people that embody that mm-hmm. four was it routine no yes yeah create routine uh-huh. yeah create Five. routine shit we've missed one haven't we no, yeah, five was growing. No, no, we got it. We got it. Five was start oh, the yeah. growth. So actually start taking yeah, the action. Growth. Uh-huh. Just like keep those things in rotation. Mm-hmm. And then step six was choose happiness. Nice. Those are awesome. Yeah, you triggered a thought of me when you said each morning you write, I'm still gay. I'm still... That's so good. But during my silent meditation, I asked myself like really hard questions and I wanted to go like super, super deep. And I was like, fuck it. I'm going to ask myself anything that I want to ask. One of the things I asked, because I, I did have our conversation in mind, um, was I said, oh, are you attracted to men in any way? And it was interesting when, when my train of thought started going, I, I really dove into it. I was like, am I, you know, like, do I get like any sort of like sexual attraction to men? Is there any sort of physical attraction? The answer ended up being no. But what I did find was I do like I have an attraction um to men when they inspire me, when they, you know, sh- exude uh, vulnerability, but at the same time mm-hmm. have the, the beautiful sides of masculinity, but then they're happy to hold the vulnerable and the empathetic and the emotionally intelligent sides of f- being feminine, you know, this this kind of, uh, this, this, I don't know, openness about who they are. And I think that's why, that's something I picked up when I was working on a gay night at the Emerson is, you know, I hung out with all these gay guys who were like, I wasn't attracted to them in a physical way, but I was attracted to them because they exuded power because they were vulnerable and they were honest. And I think that is a beautiful part of, of, of who they are. And that was cool that yeah. I went down that rabbit hole. I love that. Mm. Yeah. I, I wanted to share that because it I triggered, that. triggered it. Yeah. That's so cool. And I think that's, that is so important uh, that we're able to recognize that there's so many beautiful parts to both genders as well. You know, there's these amazing traits that both masculine and feminine, femininity, masculinity, they both have these amazing traits. Mm. And it really is society that makes those traits ugly. 
Mm. And that sets these expectations, you know? True. Um, yeah. True. I think that could be an entirely different podcast. I have notes down here yes, to talk about emotional intelligence and self-awareness and then about gender constructs, which is what we touched yes. on last time we were talking, but that'll probably yeah. take another hour and a half and we've already been going yeah. an hour and a half. So. I feel like we could talk all day. Yeah. Maybe, well, maybe we can do another one in the future. I'd love to. I think you're yeah, fucking for awesome sure. to talk to, dude. And I, I really would love if you did a podcast. I think you could empower so many women in the same situation. And also, yeah. also so many men, you know, like what's to say there's gay guys out there who might be afraid to talk to men about this, but might go, fuck, you know, this, um, knockoffs podcast, like she's so vulnerable and I, 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 I can see that and I can, I guess, understand that. So I, I think you should, I think it'll be awesome. Or even maybe just write Thanks. some shit down and post it. I think you already have started doing that a bit, huh? What's that? Uh, posting things? Yeah, I think I've kind of seen you've already, and I don't think you're choosing to empower people. I think you're empowering yourself. And this is an important thing to touch on, actually, before I get into four and one, which is a new thing I'm doing. I think the people that empower other people are people who don't focus on trying to change people or trying to empower people. They just empower themselves. And then people see that and they start following them. You know, like, yeah. Focus on being the best you can be and people will see that, people will pick up on that and then they'll follow you but then also they'll become the best that they can be and that is true power yeah. to me. That's true greatness. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're yeah. great. I, I love that. I think you, you have greatness and you have power <laughs> and your your vibrations are high and it, it makes <laughs> me pumped. So fuck yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. This has been great. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so what I'm doing now is I'm doing this thing called the four and one where I ask you four questions. They won't be as deep as what we just discussed, but they'll be a little bit fun. Then a couple of might throw it a curveball in there. Let's see. And then you get to ask me one question, whatever okay. you want to ask. Ooh. Yeah. But okay. uh, let's start with the four I'll ask you and then you can okay. maybe have a think. Okay. So first one's super easy. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Boom. No doubt about it. <laughs> you almost look angry at me that I suggested tea. <laughs> what? Yeah. Like, what the <laughs> fuck, man? I kind of am. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan at work slays tea, mate. So be careful. Oh, he, he might does. listen. He might oh, yeah. be upset. He'll be right. I coffee. Oof, man, I drink coffee all the time. I drink. I don't know. Hold on. Let me show you. Oh, there's no point. Can I show you this? You can show it to me. No one else can see this. I have this jug that I drink, right? Yeah. No, no one else can see it, but I have this jug that's like one of those percolated jugs that um, they have in America, and it's got written up to 12 cups. They're uh -huh. the cups, right? But really, it only takes like six cups because that's like six normal-sized cups, um, and I fill it up to eight cups every day. Let me take, a, let me take a photo of it. I can put it on a story. Point, okay. at, point at the eight. <laughs> so this is the eight. Yeah. This is how much coffee I drink. Sick, I'll put it on the story. Um but I do that like it's not it's not eight cups though, it's like four cups really. <laughs> I love how you're like making it sound okay for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. I'm not addicted, it's fine. <laughs> it's definitely the ego there. It's fine. <laughs> 
Okay, cool. <laughs> on to the next question. Favourite podcast? Yeah, can only choose one. Uh, it's called I Can Explain. I Can Explain. What's it about? It is a queer podcast mm-hmm. uh, by Brianne Williamson and Sean Lusk, and they discuss the queer community, specifically relating to, like, the gay and lesbian community um, because that's how they um, identify. Mm. Um, and they discuss everything in that from, like, cheating, um, relationships. They do, like, random Q&As or they call them Q&Gays. That's um, fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, they're really funny. Really, really funny. Uh-huh. They're Canadian. What's it called again? I can relate. Yeah, I'm they, actually going to listen to it. I can explain. I can explain. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, they're, they're so funny. You feel like you're having a conversation with mates. Like I'll walk, I'll listen to them going on my walks and I have to stop myself from like physically like laughing so loud, <laughs> like in the middle of, you know, whatever, wherever I'm walking, I'm like, oh my God, people probably think I'm crazy because I'm like laughing to myself. <laughs> yeah. I can explain. They discuss all of the queer topics. I love it. Awesome. Okay, next one. Right, so you get to date one of these two women, but you can only choose one. Kim Kardashian or Emma Watson? Emma Watson! Easy! (laughs) Kim K? No way. Okay, what what about... Okay, what about you... It's a one-night stand. Kim Kardashian or Emma Watson? Emma Watson still. Cool. Emma Watson, hundred percent fan. I am not attracted. I am not attracted to Kim K in the slightest. Would you? Would you do like Harry Potter? No. Harry Potter dress up styles? Just like she dresses up as Hermione, <laughs> and you're like you're like so Joe like or something. Or you could dress up as Harry Potter, but like the female version. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Or Dumbledore. No, honestly, I don't know what you're into, man. Like would, you might be Dumbledore walking in there. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Perfect. Yeah. Did yeah. you know that? Did you know that Dumbledore was gay? I had no idea. Yeah. So you have to watch, um, what's the other ones that they brought out that's like pre-Harry Potter? Oh, the bloody... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know yeah. the ones. I know the ones. Uh, something Creatures and Where to Find Them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That one. That thing. So yeah, Dumbledore's gay. He's in love with this guy that turns out to be evil. Wow, there you go. Yeah. Cool. Very good. Awesome. Um, all right. Next, last one for you, and then you get one for me. Your two greatest mentors. Oh, greatest mentors. My mum mm-hmm. is one. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely. Strong, independent woman. Mm-hmm. Um, greatest mentors. You know what's so funny? I just want to say my grandma. My yeah, grandma and my mum. Yeah, do it. Like, my grandma was equally as strong. She was, like, the matriarch of the family. She she was amazing. She, mm. like, we, gosh, we had so many problems. I think we clashed a lot. But she was so strong. And she brought up five kids and, you know, just such an amazing lady and even even she passed away five or six years ago now but um 
I remember going to Christmas lunch with her. She was progressive, you know. Mm. Um, I used to challenge her a lot and we went to Christmas lunch and I remember I had this conversation with her about me probably never wanting to get married. Um, makes more sense now that I could never see myself marrying a man. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and so I used to be like, no, I'm never going to get married. I'm going to have a baby by myself and live my life the way I want. Mm. And we went to out to lunch and it was a place that I used to work at. And the lady there... I had my hand behind my back and she tried to look at my hand to see if I had an engagement ring on. Mm. Um, and she was like, so are you seeing anyone? And my grandma was like, she doesn't need anyone to be happy. Uh, awesome. She's she's a strong woman. And I was like, I like almost cried there on the spot from her saying that, wow. you know, just like being seen by her. Um, but yeah, my mom was as equally as strong, you know, and independent. They were both, yeah, 100%. 100% mentors like I think about them often and how they like lived their lives so mm. yeah powerful cool. powerful mm. thanks for sharing that yeah please <laughs> cool now you get you get one question for me and then I'll ask you where people can get a hold of you okay um I don't know what question to ask oh, let me think about it oh okay if you could pick one person to have dinner with, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, shit. Wow, that's a really fucking good question. That's a really good... I've never actually thought about that. So this answer might change then. This might be my first okay. answer, then I might think about it, and then a few months later it might, it might change or something. That's totally fine. You're human. You're allowed to change. Oh, God. One person I can have dinner with, dead or alive. Actually. Dead or alive. Is this, like, someone I look up to, or can this be, like, someone close to me? Anyone. Thais Carmonia Damin, my girlfriend, who's in Brazil right now, and oh. we've been in a long-distance oh, relationship. Yeah. <laughs> oh! Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, so, so sweet. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while, and it's going to be a while yet, because we can't fly. I had planned, it was her birthday two days yeah. ago now, I think, and I'd planned to surprise her, uh, to organize with her friend Arthur, and... I was going to stay with him and then we were going to surprise her at her house and I was going to kiss her and make love to with her and, and have dinner and coffee and all that cute shit. But unfortunately, Aww, coronavirus changed that. It. But my story is definitely not the worst and I'm super grateful to have her in my life. So yeah, she's my number one pick for sure. Yeah. yeah. I love that. That's so cute. So gross. So cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, all right, well, I, I think that's pretty much the end. But before I hit stop on the old recorder, if people want to get a hold of you, and this is up to you if you want to share this information, but if people want to get a hold of you, ask you questions, follow your journey, or just maybe have a yarn, where's the best mm -hmm. place or places to find you? The best place to find me is on Instagram. Mm -hmm. uh, I am at Grumble and Quench. You can message me there. I have a link in my bio with all my other socials and stuff cool. like that as well. How do you spell um, Grumble and Quench? Grumble, G-R-U-M-B-L-E and A-N-D, Quench, Q-U-E-N-C-H. Cool. What's Did I spell that? Grumble right, Jason? Hold on. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's Grumble and Quench all about, actually? It's like because you're a foodie? Yeah, so I love food. I love the hospitality industry. Specifically, I love culture and history behind what food and meals are. So how 
food brings people together, whether it be through the act of cooking meals or serving it at a table. Um, I love, uh, I'm obsessed with it and I'm obsessed with how that has come from history and how there's, you know, there's all these cultures that still hold on to that really strong um, connection with food and meals, like, you know, mm. uh, especially Greek and Italians. Love that. I love that so much. I'm like jealous that <laughs> of that. But we also have it in Australian culture through barbecues, mm. you know, a Bunnings sausage sizzle brings people together, the community yeah, wow. together, or just barbecues in summer. Like I just, I'm obsessed with the way that food brings people together. Awesome. And yeah. it sounds like yeah. you've got some pretty cool plans in the works. So I'm sure people will see amazing stuff. So that's at Grumble and Quench on Instagram. Thanks so much, yes. Dev. I love you Thank very much. You. And I'm very love privileged that I got to have this discussion with you. And let's hope it changes a few lives for the better.